The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to The How of Business with Henry Lopez and David Begin, the podcast that helps you start, run, and grow your small business. And now, here are your hosts. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and my guest today is Tyler Moyer. Tyler, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to have Tyler on. We've actually tried to get him on the show last year, but for all kinds of different reasons, including some of which we will chat about on this episode. Uh, the timing just didn't work, so I'm excited to have him on. Uh, Tyler is a, a great young entrepreneur and the founder and CEO of Kumo Travel. Uh, Kumo Travel, which we're going to chat about, is a website that lets you easily plan, book, and share a trip. Now, that sounds pretty basic, but there's really a, a social component to it here that he's going to explain that makes it unique. You essentially, you get advice and suggestions from seasoned travel connoisseurs, as he calls them, or your friends to, to help you plan that perfect adventure. And so he's going to share with us how he came to develop this idea and the launching of Kumo Travel. Uh, after graduating from James Madison University with a bachelor's in marketing, Tyler served in the U.S. Army for almost seven years, and he also served in the Virginia National Guard for five years. After serving in the Army, he has held various marketing and product development positions. He also has another business now where they do website development. So he has a broad experience in addition to his military experience. And in around 2014, I'll have him clarify the dates, but around there, he began the development of the current business, Kumo Travel. He's overcome significant challenges in developing this business, and he's He's very generous to share with us those setbacks that he experienced and how he's persevered to deliver this wonderful solution for travelers. And that, I think that's the thing that's most impressive to me is that he didn't give up when he faced challenges that I think I certainly would have given up on. So that alone is, is one of the reasons I wanted him on the show. Uh, Tyler lives in the Austin, Texas area. And so we're going to chat again about his entrepreneurial journey and the story of launching Kumo Travel. Tyler Moyer, welcome to the show. Thank you. So uh, you're still in Austin, right? Did you get that right? Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, what was it that, I can't remember what brought you to Austin originally. Yeah, so when I transitioned out of the military in 2015, um, and because I was doing a tech startup business, um, the two cities that uh, came out are Austin and San Francisco. But my older brother lives in San Francisco, and I understand that it costs an arm and a leg to live there. So yeah. I opted to uh, just go an hour south of where my last duty assignment, which is Fort Hood, and uh, settled in Austin. Right. Fort Hood in San Antonio, no? Or, uh, no other direction. Uh, Fort oh, Hood is in Colleen, Texas. That's right. That's right. Got it. Um, well, fantastic. So after you graduated from college um, and you got a degree in marketing, yeah? Correct. What led you to join uh, the Army at that point in time? Probably a lot of what a lot of other uh, students have to worry about is paying for school. And so 
I, uh, since I was an out-of-state student, I joined the Army in order to help uh, pay for college. But at the same time, it allowed me to have a job coming out and also a job that allows me to have a lot more experience. So um, that is the reason why I joined the military. Mm-hmm. And do you think you got that out of it? Do you, do you think it did prepare you for the workforce? Um, well, it depends on what you consider workforce because there, I would say it definitely helped me um, because it helped me have direction, gave me a lot more experience, uh, experience that a lot of people uh, would take like 20 years to have the ability to manage at least 25 people. But I was able to, to manage 25 people at only less than 25 years old. So, yeah. but when you transition out of the military, you have challenges about your job skills don't really translate 100% when it comes to the civilian uh, commercial sector. One of the challenges that, that we've had in trying to hire veterans, which, which we always try to do and have done so, is that sometimes one of the challenges, and, and it's not unlike the challenge we also have transitioning from the corporate world and that you become, in that environment, you became so dependent on the infrastructure, on unlimited resources, relatively speaking. Uh, and so that, when you become an entrepreneur, especially a small business entrepreneur like we are, where you got to do it all yourself and the resources are limited, I see a challenge with that. Did you experience that? Um, yes. I think the biggest thing for me, because I never really got, been in the corporate world, it was just straight military, but I, I would say that the military is very similar to corporate where you have a lot of resources and you have all the needs. So you, um, So there was definitely some challenge, but I think the biggest challenge for me was just the interaction of having people work with you and then having to go solo for many years. You were used to working in a, in teams, and then now it was just you. That's what you're saying. That that was that was one of the big transition challenges. Yes, definitely. So when you when you speak to or if a prospective employer asks you, you know what 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 is the advantage that we should look for that a veteran can bring to a business? What are, what are some of those things that you've observed and that you highlight? So the ones that I've always uh, highlighted, and I think this is what most military people, especially officers, would. Uh, highlight the most is just managerial skills because mm-hmm. uh, the military, one thing that they do do well as an officer is that they give you a position for anywhere between 12 to 18 months. And then as soon as you get good at it, they transition you to a new job. So you're never going to be, once you're too good at a job, then you move. So they always allow you to try to grow and um, kind of get stronger in different areas. Yeah. Yeah. You're constantly being challenged. The other thing obvious, I think is obvious to me is the discipline and the rigor to things that you develop. And that, that I think has tremendous benefits, particularly in starting a small business. Yes. All right. So do you remember back did, did you have aspirations when you were younger to be your own boss? Um, I think I had a little bit, but I think most of my friends always considered me a good salesperson because I could, uh, sell a lot of stuff, just like reselling candy for like, I don't know, uh, for like 20 times the cost because everybody wanted it. So I think that kind of evolved into being able to then create a business and selling it to people. So I would say that the whole sales aspect was early, but then creating the business uh, capitalized on that old ability. Mm-hmm. So when did it crystallize for you? Because after the army, then you went into corporate world, when, when did it hit you that I need to do my own thing? It was actually the tail, the last year of me being in the military. So I got out of the army in 2015. And so I realized probably a year, about 2014, that I needed to create a business because the problem that I wanted to have addressed wasn't being addressed. 
And uh, through that, I ended up uh, creating Kumo. So you had identified a business problem that you felt wasn't addressed, but what was it about personally that, that said, I, I need to be my own boss? Because it's one thing to identify a problem. It's another to say, I'm the one that's going to go, I, I need to be my own boss, right? And take on all of that, all of the good and the bad that comes with that. Yeah. So I'd probably say that because of how much I've traveled and how long I've seen the whole uh, traveling industry kind of shift and pivot to, it wasn't being done. And then all these years of me just traveling recreationally, um, I realized that it wasn't going to be done. So for me, I'm more of a go-getter in the sense of if no one's going to do it, I'll just do it. Mm-hmm. Got it. What, what do you, so today, even though you're still, you know, you still got a long journey ahead of you, but you've had some success already. What do you enjoy most about being your own boss? I like the ability to uh, kind of inspire other people uh, because of my stories that I've had. And a lot of my friends, when they hear my stories, they basically say, your stories make me not want to create a business, but those probably are the people that weren't going to create one anyways. But those that want to create one and they hear my stories and then the fact that I'm still going strong uh, definitely inspires them. And then trying to give inspiration to them is one of the biggest uh, things I kind of uh, feel most happiest about. Mm-hmm. Gives you a lot of, I guess, satisfaction to know that you're an inspiration to others, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. So let's, you've touched on it briefly, the idea and how it came to you. I think it might make sense to start by having you describe what Kumo Travel is, and then we'll kind of work backwards from there as to the problem that you were trying to solve. But, but tell us, summarize for us what Kumo Travel is. Yeah. So the thing I always start out with is a problem that most of us kind of relate to. So, so most of us travel. Um, some of us hate it, and then some of us uh, love it. But the one thing that a lot of us can kind of agree upon usually is that the, the fact that planning trips really sucks. Uh, super time consuming, very scattered. And most of us, when we plan a trip, we go online and we have to worry about so many things. You have to worry about flights, hotels, and then you have to figure out what you actually plan on doing when you get there. And at the end of the day, or sometimes a couple weeks or a month of planning, unless you actually have friends and family that have been there, you're not 100% confident in the trip you just created. And so that's where Kumo comes in. It's the single place that allows an individual to plan and book their whole trip while allowing other real people to give them common suggestions. So I always tell people, imagine a social trip planner. And then on top of that, when you plan a trip on the platform, it actually shows you other people that are going to be there at the same time, allowing you to connect and actually meet other real people. And, and that's the unique component, if I'm understanding it correctly, is that social component, as, as I'm going to call it, and I think you call it as well, right? That, that's the unique piece of it. Is that fair? Yes, that's uh, one of the main core uh, uniqueness. But there's a lot of other supplement uh, pieces that help facilitate it. But yes, the whole social aspect is the key driver. So then immediately I would assume, because I'm an old guy, that this is best for younger people where that social component is important to them, but maybe not necessarily so because, you know, as I'm not quite a senior yet, but I'm getting there, you know, seniors might want what other seniors are doing or might want to know their opinions as well. But a roundabout way to ask the question who is this targeted to right now? Who is your ideal audience for Kumo Travel? Right. So the platform is open and available for everyone. But what makes Kumo even more unique um, is the fact that our target audience um, for Beachhead right now is the uh, veteran and military community. Ah, okay. Yeah. And a lot of people always ask, like, why them? And, so, yeah. and, the, and this is the reason why. 
So I, I fall on the statistics. So a lot of people don't know that the number one cause of death for veterans and uh, military people is suicide. 20 to 22 people commit suicide per day. Um, and there's many reasons behind that. But one big contributing factor is the constant relocations. And so when I was active the Army for seven years, I moved six times, I deployed twice to Afghanistan. So I understand that every time you move, you lose your friends, you lose your family, and you're literally put in places you don't know anybody. So how Kumo is gonna help this demographic directly is that when they move to a new duty assignment, they can actually look at old trips that were created to then create their own personalized trip with the help of other people, and then meet other real people to get them out of the barracks and basically combat the mental health issues through travel. So you're providing them that community that they don't have in part because of how often they get relocated. Correct. As it relates to travel. In other words, that community of other people who also enjoy travel, or even if it's not necessarily that I travel so often, but at least I can plug into a community of my peers to some extent, and I feel connected there in helping me plan this travel. And it's more likely that I will travel, which you know is beneficial to your mental health. Correct. And a lot of people forget that they only say, I only travel once or twice a year. And they kind of count the big trips. But I remind people that your road trips that you take, because I'm in Austin, if I go to Houston, Dallas, like those are going to be weekend trips that unless I ask my friends if they're not busy, I'll probably go and look online to figure out what there is actually to do there. So these weekend trips start counting as legitimate trips you can plan. And so the platform allows you to do any, site, uh, any number of day trips. So those trips can be uh, used uh, on the platform. Yeah, you know that's a that's a big point. I, I get that now, and and of course you are a disabled vet yourself, so you understand very clearly those challenges, emotional challenges, mental health challenges that you're trying to help people with. Yeah, and because moving so many times, like I I do enjoy moving it because you get to start over and be fresh. But the first two three weeks, a couple months is definitely hard because you don't know anybody, you don't know where to go, and uh, your your peers always tell you or your boss always tells you. Hey, you should just leave and get out of town and see what there's around. But a lot of people don't like traveling alone or sometimes people just don't know what to do. So I'm trying to eliminate the uh, unknowns by showing them what there is around, any old trips that people might have taken, or maybe even find someone that's traveling or be in the same areas as you. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so what's the business model? How do you make money at this? Yeah, so there's three core uh, um, ways to make money for Kumo. So right now we have a partnership with Priceline. So all the booking is white labeled through them. And so Kumo gets a uh, percentage of the uh, bookings through car rentals, flights, and hotels. And I always tell everybody that the prices are identical to Priceline. So it's not going to be upcharged by any means, um, but that's one form of revenue. And then the number two is going to be ad revenue, but in two different ways. One, businesses can sponsor their own business. So when someone travels to that destination, their cities, will, their business will actually be populated first when, person, when a person plans a trip. Uh, and then number two is the typical ad revenue. So once we reach critical mass, then uh, people can advertise to the demographic that's using the platform. And then number three is that it's a freemium model. So it's completely free to use. There's no cost to actually become a member and use the platform. But in the future, we plan on implementing um, some functions that might uh, cost money to unlock. So one example I always give is that one account might allow you to have five unique trips created. And if you want to unlock a slot for a sixth or seventh trip, then it might be 99 cents to unlock that slot. But right now that function doesn't exist, but that's how we plan on maybe transitioning into. Yeah. 
Yeah, smart. Sounds smart and flexible. It, you, you touched on the, the, the point that uh, you and I had talked about way back when that's very interesting to me, was, which is reaching critical mass. It's this, this big challenge you have with this platform, and there are other businesses that are similar, that you got to have people on it for it to be effective, but how do I get those first people on there and how do I grow that? So just talk to me about that challenge. I know it's early days, it's, it's, it's functional and it's working, but how, how did you get it primed? How did you get it started to get those uh, people on there, those connoisseurs, the people who are going to share and provide um, guidance, the, those first people where there was nothing there initially? How did you get that started? Yeah, that's the, probably the one big dilemma that a lot of people face is the chicken and the egg thing. Yep. And it's like, yes, I, once I get enough people, all these people will give me money to advertise to them. But then no one's going to give you money if there's no one on there, but then no one's going to join if no one else is there. Right. If I go now to book a trip and for my particular destination, there is no information, then a lot of the value goes away, right? I could just go to Priceline and do the same thing. Correct. And so, yes, you do have a big uh, um, issue on that end. So what I've been able to do to capitalize on this issue is utilize my background. And so because of the whole veteran and the disabled part, um, I'm able to connect with a lot of different veteran organizations and a lot of different uh, of groups that help veterans. And because of my message and how it's actually marketed too, it helps me to uh, kind of push my message through them. And then on top of that, I've also capitalized on my second market, which is actually the college students. And so I already created partnerships with UT Austin, St. Edwards and Texas State, because one of the functions that you can actually do on the platform is you can actually add your friends to the trip, which gives them editability on the platform. So you can now collaborate on a, um, on one platform, instead of using Google Docs, which has a hun tons of different links that's created and it's very messy, so the platform makes it easier. So utilizing those backgrounds and also me being uh, Asian, I've also joined the Asian Chamber of Commerce to then utilize um, that uh, demographic. You're taking advantage of all of the angles that you have, which I love. Um, and you're speaking specifically to what, what, what's brilliant here is this is the advice for any business, especially starting up, which is to niche down as much as possible. I think you're doing that brilliantly. So, okay. For, so thanks for sharing that. Let's talk a bit now about the huge challenges that you had and, and just kind of to set the scene. How long from the time you had the idea, which I think was about, if I got it right, towards the end of your army career to the you know version one launch more or less how long was that period of time it was uh four years four so years i always tell my friends i'm only three years late <laughs> because you had hoped initially you thought it would be about a year project to launch version one is that what you were thinking initially correct and so if everything would have been uh done cr uh accordingly and if all the developers actually were able to fill what they originally said they could do then yes it would have been uh launched in about a year or less. This is Henry Lopez. Before we continue with this episode, I have a few questions for you. Are you struggling with getting started or making the transition from your corporate job to starting your own business? Or are you a current small business owner who needs help with managing and growing your business? Are you ready to invest in your future? I invite you to schedule a free business coaching consultation with me. Just text BIZCOACH to 31996 for more information. I welcome the opportunity to chat with you about your business dreams and goals and offer the guidance and accountability that we all need to achieve success. As an experienced small business owner, I understand the challenges you are facing, 
And often, it's about helping you ask the right questions so that you can make progress towards achieving your goals. I can help you get there. To find out more or to schedule your free coaching session, just text BIZCOACH to 31996 now. That's B-I-Z-C-O-A-C-H, BIZCOACH, to 31996. Or visit thehowabusiness.com. So tell us a little bit about that, that struggle along the way that you had with the development of the site. Yeah. And so I ended up uh, going with a development uh, company through word of mouth um, of a friend of mine. And uh, this individual that uh, took on the, uh, the project actually had his own uh, company that sold for a lot of money. And so his credentials said that, yes, he can, he can develop it. So I worked with this individual from 2014 until the middle of 2015 for about a year and a half. And that's the time that I transitioned out of the military and then moved to Austin. At that time, like there was a lot of issues with the site. Nothing was functional. Everything was very slow and clunky. And I ended up having a developer here in Austin take a look at my GitHub where the code's stored. And that's where I found out that he's like, I bet these are all the problems you had. And everything was correct. And so because of his diagnosis, I had a three-week conversation with this new gentleman and then my developer. And after about a 30-minute conversation, that's when my... Uh, developer basically um, told the truth of there's a lot of things that he didn't know how to do in the beginning, which then causes a lot of problems. That's like building a house on sand. Uh, if the foundation's bad, it's hard to move forward. So I ended up having to get another developer uh, after that, starting all over. And then I ended up working with that individual for about uh, one year. And so after one year, uh, the platform was still un not working, same issues. And the reason why I only stopped after one year of working with this uh, individual was because I was pre uh, presenting at the Collision Conference in May of 2016. So two and a half years, two developers failed, and I ended up having to go to the conference with me and my friend. We ended up creating a, uh, uh, some screens to basically show what it would actually feel like if it actually worked. I presented it at the Collision Conference, um, huge hit. A lot of people identified with the problem, they liked the solution, and they thought that the niche market that I was going out to first was very unique. Um, but the problem that uh, arised is they wanted to know what the traction was. So without the traction, I wasn't able to get any funding or anything beyond that, which is what I was thinking I could do. Um, so I ended up leaving the conference and I made the hard decision of either giving up or self-funding it further. So what I ended up doing is I sold three of my houses to self-fund it and had a professional company to actually develop the uh, platform. So I ended up spending more than $300,000 on one single development contract uh, to have uh, it to be finished. And so they quoted 26 to 32 weeks, which I thought was a really long time, uh, but they ensured me that good things take a little bit of time to build. So um, I went with it. And so that timeline of 26 to 32 weeks would actually have the platform being finished of, in the middle of January to the end of March of 2017. So a year, almost two years ago. Um, but obviously, as it got closer to the earliest time that was supposed to be complete in January, they said, oh, no, it's going to be done in, in February. And it got close to February, March, April. And then went all the way until July. And then that's of last year. We're talking now, right? Of yep. 2017. July of 2017. And then at that time, the timeline already doubled. And then they're asked for 50000 more dollars. Um, I ended up uh, sitting down with their CEO and the COO. And I brought in a, a few mentors of mine just to kind of sit there to listen. And I laid out all the facts and I was part of a program in San Francisco. And my, my coach at that time told me, lay out all the facts and ask this question. 
what can you guys do to make me a happy customer again? I said verbatim that uh, quote, and then the response from the CEO was verbatim, if you're looking for free work, you're not gonna get it. And I was dumbfounded by that response. Wow. And uh, I ended up saying, I ended up saying, no, I'm not looking for free work, but obviously I'm getting screwed on the timeline and on the budget. For, for the third time now on this. Yes. And uh, they said, okay, the deal we can make with you is we can take the hourly rate from $116 an hour to $108 an hour. And they kept on telling me how they're not going to make any money, but they want to make sure that I'm successful. And um, obviously I was going to get screwed. And so after that, I ended up uh, using one of my attorneys, which is also one of my mentors, to send a demand letter. And then that's when I realized that suing people is definitely not easy. Um, so I sent them a demand letter and uh, I late, waited 30 days and they never responded. And I talked to my uh, attorney and he's like, this rarely ever happens. And so the next step would be try to actually file a, a suit. But the problem is filing a suit costs a lot of money and it can take anywhere between a couple months to a couple years. And so they knew that they were waiting you out because to your point that you alluded to of it costs money, the person with the deepest pockets tends to win in those situations. And they knew that you didn't have deep pockets, right? Most definitely. And so uh, because of this, uh, I was told it would cost 20 to $70,000 and then it would take a lot of time to actually do. And then it's just at the end of the day, we can still not win because even if you do win, because it's, they're a software development company, there's nothing for them to liquidate. And there's a lot of bad things. And so I was advised by a few of my mentors to just move on. But um, I was very frustrated and I was like, people can't just screw people out of money and, um, and do things to these people. So I ended up uh, taking the advice of my attorney saying to talk to a lot of attorneys here in Austin to see if anybody would take on the case on contingency. Mm, um, okay. And so I spent a month and a half looking for attorneys throughout Austin that would take it on contingency. But what I realized is that unless it's a multi-million dollar case, that they're not going to take it on contingency. And they usually only do it on injuries because there's an insurance company to sue if the person can't. So, um, but what I ended up finding out in that year, a month and a half was three other individuals were suing the same company, but for different reasons. And we all came up to the same realization that we can't do anything beyond uh, actually filing a suit because one person actually sued them under DTPA, which is a Deceptive Trade Practice Act, which is a three-time wow. multiplier. And they gave them 60 days and they didn't even respond to that demand letter either. Yeah. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious you, you weren't going to get anything out of them and you were just going to spend a bunch of money on legal fees. Correct. Yes. All right. So what happens next? And so then from there, I was like, okay, well, I'm going to have to put uh, possibly get any money or getting justice on back burner. It's like, I need to figure out what can I do to build, finish the site. So I actually sent my code out to about five different companies throughout the United States of like pretty reputable uh, development companies. And I asked them, how much is the website complete based off the, uh, the tap through that I created in the very beginning? And uh, they said that, well, one, when I showed them all the tap through, they were very amazed. They're like, they told me that that was the most thorough tap through they've ever seen. And the fact that no one could build a, a platform based off that tap through is- uh, What is a tap through? So a, a tap through is basically like a, it's almost like a, it's like PowerPoint with clickable buttons and it looks yeah. like how it actually works on yeah, the site. Yeah, we used to call it a wireframe or it's just a mock-up of what the site's behavior should be. Is that Co fair? Correct, yes. Uh, there's no data behind it, but each screen is pre-created and it gives the illusion of how it actually would work on an interface level. Got it. So I uh, ended up spending about a month and a half figuring out 
um, if any company would be willing to, oh, so after I ended up having the development companies figure out what the percentage of completion is, the average was 50%, <laughs> 50% complete. And how much had you, by this point in time, more or less, how much had you spent between these three developers uh, so far? Probably four hundred to $420,000 of my own money. Of your own money, because you didn't have any uh, outside sources of funding, no loans. This was all assets that you had built up through hard work and investments. Uh, this was your money that you had put in up to this point in time. Yes. Yep. So no outside sources, just uh, my own money. All right. So what happens next? Um, so 50% was the average uh, percentage number. And then um, two of them said- I guess it was good and bad news. 50% done. What's there was okay, though. It wasn't like you had to start over. So that was some silver lining there. Is that right? Well, here's a, it is. So it's like a silver lining, but also really bad because bad. out of the five companies, two of them said that they're not, they wouldn't- uh, uh, use their code because they don't want to be liable for someone. Yeah, and this I've had this happen before. This is the big challenge with this type of development is nobody wants to take on that code because then they inherit whatever they haven't seen or whatever issues there might be with that technical stack. Then they're not willing to do that. Right, and then so um, two of them said they won't do it unless they start all over. Um, the other three said that on average you got to take off about twenty to twenty-five percent of the current uh, completion. Uh, percentage because it's going to take time for people to get back in there, figure out what they did, and then if anything's outdated, to update it. So that's the uh, the scenario. And so the price range I was given by these different three companies that were willing to do it was anywhere between seventy to one hundred twenty thousand dollars. It was still with no guarantees. <laughs> so obviously this was not going to be something I could do because I didn't have the funds anymore um, because I liquidated most of my assets. So I looked went around uh, Austin and just called as many people as I could to see if anybody would be willing to do on, on equity. Um, I had two individuals, companies that were thinking about doing, but at the end, they just said that I'd have to pay for them to hire someone to then train, and then they can basically take equity for managing them, which definitely was not the original plan. So I wasn't able to find anybody through that avenue. So that timeline now puts me around December of 2017, so almost a year from now. And at this point, I was running out of money. I was uh, already exhausted three different development uh, firms or groups and uh, nothing to really show for it that works. So I ended up having to go to a, um, uh, a pitch event that uh, I was part of the year prior and I was just gonna go there just as an audience member. But when I went to that event, one of the people that were presenting never showed up and so since I worked with this organization before, they actually had my pitch deck there and they said, oh, I'm gonna put you into the pitch uh, event. And I was like, I told them, I don't wanna do it because there's, it's not in the, I'm not in a good place where I could actually get any benefit from it. But they didn't listen to me. I ended up having to pitch it. Um, everybody in the audience loved the whole uh, idea and they saw the, how the platform worked through my pitch. But then uh, at the end, they asked me like, what is my ask for the group? And so I was forced to, uh, say I need someone to write that can develop in Golang, which is a language that was chosen, which is by really poor actually, because not many people actually know how to do it that way. Um, and then someone in the audience actually uh, was a sales rep of another company that says, hey, we actually do that development. And I just was thinking, uh, not another salesperson. Yeah, right. uh, but then what she says is, oh, but we give guarantees. Like you don't have to pay the last amount unless we actually finish the product. And I was like, wow. okay. Wow. Where were you all this time? Yeah, that's what I said. And I was like, okay, so I'm open to talk to your, uh, your CEO. So I ended up having a Skype call with their CEO, um, and he's out of Pakistan. 
And so I, I showed him everything I had, talked to him. He actually loved what, he was, uh, what I was doing, especially the, the, mil the military side. He wasn't military, but his dad uh, was a one-star general in the Pakistan army. So he understands like how that could actually help a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And so we worked together for development and uh, halfway through, um, probably six months into it, he realized that uh, there's something he wanted to join. So he ended up joining as uh, my CTO. Wow. Isn't that amazing? So many takeaways there so far, Tyler. So I want to jump in here a moment and then we'll finish the story. But, but just that most recent part of it, so much uh, often in life and certainly in business is putting yourself in the right situation so that you get a lucky break, right? Right. If you had not, and then of course you leveraged that presentation, as you mentioned at the outset, that natural skill that you've developed over time to present and to tell a story and to get people to, to believe what you're saying that that came through and people loved the idea. And if you hadn't been there and you've been really good and I've known you for over a year now at that, at networking and getting that exposure and going to these different events and that paid off now in that situation, didn't it? It did. Um, and thank, thank goodness. Yeah. Um, the, the, the question that keeps coming into my mind as you were telling this story is why did you keep going? Why did you not quit? I sometimes ask myself that same question, but I truly do believe on what I, if I didn't get all the positive feedback, and that's the number one, is that because I've been pitching it for like almost five years now, um, I, all the positive feedback of people saying, does it work? The two most uh, common responses um, does it work because I'm about to uh, plan a trip and that would be super helpful or I just came back from a trip and something like that would have made everything so much easier. So if it wasn't for the fact of real people that I interact with genuinely say that sounds like it would be super useful. I wish I could uh, use something like that. That's what kept on uh, having me go forward. And plus I love to travel. And then my dream at the end of the day was that if I could have this uh, platform up and running, it could help a lot of people, but it could actually help me take my trip, which actually was inspiration for creating the platform, which I kind of call um, seven to seven. So my idea behind it was I wanted to travel to all seven continents in seven months and see all the ones in the world, but with a self-imposed rule of not using an airplane. And uh, most of my wow. friends <laughs> thought I was crazy. They're like, yeah, you're going to be. Yeah, you're, that sounds pretty crazy. Yeah, they basically said, like, you're going to be kidnapped or eaten by a tiger. And I was like, <laughs> meh, it's like, I could figure it out. So my original plan, um, this was back in 2012, was I'll just create a website or a blog that I envision like the world map. And it shows the path I plan on taking. And then my friends and family can jump on there, give me recommendations to help shape my trip with me. And mm -hmm. so I spent my entire uh, deployment free time uh, on there. So nine months, I basically worked on my own little, my little project. So after I left Afghanistan for the second tour, I ended up backpacking through Asia, Europe, and South America. And then wow. that's when I realized that a lot of other people had the same problems, which is why people go to hostels, they try to meet locals, they try to interact with other real people. And that's when I realized that, man, my platform that can help me could actually help a lot of other people. And so yeah. that's how Kumo kind of came to life. All right, so, so you, you had that desire to make this happen because you knew it was something that people could use, you wanted it, you were getting good feedback. So if, if nothing else during that four plus year period of time, every time you presented it or shared it, you got validation. But that's not enough, Tyler. You had spent everything you had built up financially there has to be more to it that just kept you driving other than you're crazy. Yeah. I mean, the other thing too is the, it's the double-edged sword of 
if I stopped and got a job, then I've been told by a lot of my friends that do startups is that a lot of people don't come back because they're now accustomed to the new lifestyle, that paycheck that they get. So they don't really pursue it and their business dies. So I knew that if I did try to, to get a real job, <laughs> a real job, um, <laughs> I get, that actually paid a paycheck, is that I would probably spend less time on actually um, on my startup. And then the thing is you need to put all that time into a startup, which is why a lot of investors will only invest into like founders that are actually full-time because it takes sure. more than full-time to get a business even having the chance to succeed. Yeah, yeah. Well, you wanted this bad enough. All right, well, well, let's bring this story to a close. This last entity did get you to the finish line, right? Correct, yes. And, and so you've got, obviously, the, the, the site is launched. It's still early phase of it, and there's still a lot more functionality to be added, but it's, it's up and it's running. Yes, it is. Yeah. So if we, if we, when we look back at that story, the other question I have for you is, what are one or two of the key takeaways for you and that you share, that you share with others, especially in this area of having a, a website developed or any other type of application developed? And I get the struggle. You know, I, I have a technology background, but we do one of my businesses is a software company, but I'm not a coder. And so you're so blind to that, right? You, you, you have to go to some extent with the level of trust that that organization you've hired or the individual you've hired knows what they're doing, but, but you don't really know because you're not a coder, right? Um, right? But what were some of the things that looking back you could have done differently and maybe you would have and had a different result? Well, I think one of the things I could have looked back and I get a lot of this from my friends. They're like, why didn't you just learn how to code? And I was like, well, that would have taken a lot of time. But then hindsight, they're like, well, in five years, you could have learned how to code a lot of stuff. But then um, I try to tell them, like, it was supposed to be done much earlier and sooner, and I was trying to be the salesperson. Um, but hindsight, I guess I could have put a little bit more time in learning maybe a few languages so I can speak the lingo a little better. But probably to find a lot of people to be mentors or uh, advisors on the technical side. Because yeah. yeah. That is what is essential because to try to siphon through good developers and bad developers is very, very hard. And I would say that you're going to get run into more bad developers than good developers. Yeah, that would be my advice is that maybe you would have brought on either a technical partner or tightly mentored or have multiple mentors on the technical area that could have given you guidance and opinion and insights here before it got as far down the path as it did. Yeah. Right. Okay. All right, so so what's next now? And 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 for those that are listening, what what do you want our listeners to do as it relates to to Kumo? Yeah, so um, so now that the site actually launched a couple of months ago, we're actually on the Kumo side. We're already in the process of redeveloping the interface so that it's going to have a much more streamlined experience, which will be hopefully be finished in the beginning of January. And we're also in the process of developing an app, which will help with notifications. And on top of that, you can also plan on the go once you create a trip. Um, so I always tell everybody, like, if you love the travel, definitely test out the website because this may not work 100% uh, right now and it may not be perfect, but the, the insight that I can get from other people that love traveling like uh, myself will help make this experience and uh, the process much smoother as we uh, move forward. Yeah, that's great. This this episode will probably go live at the end of December, so perfect timing there. So our listeners should definitely go and check it out and, and at least 
take a look at it, right? What's the what's the website uh, they should go to? Yeah, it's uh, kumotravel.com. It's C-O-O-M-O travel.com. Where did the name come from? Uh, so I always say Kumo Travel stands for cool moments. The idea is to create cool moments through the site. Love it. I love that. So we, we've touched, uh, you know, I asked you the question about what, what you took out of this experience, but just generally as an entrepreneur now, and, and I think you're a successful entrepreneur, if for no other reason that you, you stuck to it and you've overcome all of these obstacles, right? If you were not in your heart an entrepreneur, I think you would have bailed out a lot earlier in the process. When people ask you for advice now as to, you know, what they should think about as they're starting their business. What are some of the pieces of advice that you offer people? Yeah. So I always tell people to network. Um, I always, the very first question I say is, do you have a LinkedIn? And if they say yes, and I'm like, do you have at least 500 plus people? And they say no. And I was like, you need to use it much more to get connected because it's not what you know, it's who you know. And a uh, huge advocate of that throughout my life. Um, but the one resource that I always recommend uh, people to, uh, to use is the whole lean startup canvas because the nine questions that are asked are essential. And if you cannot answer those questions, and this isn't a, I'm going to sit down and finish in 15 minutes. It's going to take some thorough uh, digging. If you can't answer those nine questions, then you probably shouldn't proceed forward to actually spend more time and money to actually develop your business idea. Yeah, I love that. I love the lean canvas approach and, and I love the idea of the, you know, go, no, go gates and, and that, that tool really helps you with that, especially as you're developing an idea and trying to validate if it actually is something that you could make a business out of. Right. All right, great. Well, we could keep chatting for hours, but this is uh, really incredible to hear the story. Thanks for sharing it so honestly, all of the details, especially of your challenges. Um, I think the other question I had when you were sharing that is what, what did your parents and your close friends, what did they think about this and that they want you to, did they want you to quit earlier or what was the support you got there from the people close to you? I mean, I think family is this there as support, but because my family, my direct family aren't in the whole startup scenario, it's, it's hard for them to kind of understand. So they kind of give you the blanket, oh, you know, I'm, I'm here if you need to talk, but um, not to say it's not valuable, but it's not really valuable when it comes to like, how do you go forward for this one specific business uh, issue. But um, but did they give you a hard time? And your parents, understandably, to your point, just like my parents would have, they they have to have been worried for you know all of this, all of these assets that you've built up. You're 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 throwing them away at this idea, and so they have to have been really concerned. Um, I've been actually very. Uh, uh, independent for a long time because I moved out of my house when I was 14 I see. Boy I see. in high school and then I haven't lived at home for 20 years now actually exactly so I've kind of uh, done my own thing and uh, but yeah but it's funny when I launched when I made a, a video announcing my launch uh, of less than two weeks a lot of my friends direct messaged me on Facebook saying it's like, didn't you say this like five times in the past couple of years? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but this one is serious. But this time is for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And, and then you make the point there, which you made earlier, which is you've really realized the value of networking and connecting with people. We talked very specifically about the example 
of that pitch that you did that was unexpected and unplanned, but you were there at that event. And that led to this last relationship, which was the right relationship. So you've seen firsthand and you've, you've, you've reached out to mentors. I know that. And so you've seen firsthand the value of that because to your point in part, what happens to us is our peers, our friends, our family, they are supportive, but they don't know what specific guidance to give us because they've not done it. Right. All right. Very good. So what's one thing you want us to take away from this conversation, Tyler, that we've had uh, specifically as it relates to, to launching a business and the experiences that you have, what's one thing you want us to take from that conversation? Yes. And so it's funny. I just gave a speech to uh, the Hispanic student business association at Texas state. And the one thing, the last advice I gave to them is the key thing to success for a business is to have unfiltered communication. You need to have the hard discussions with your business partners or with people. Um, obviously, you can't be like mean to someone, but you have to have those hard discussions. And so I think in today's society right now is that if you feel like it's going to hurt their feelings, people don't say it, but that's going to destroy a company. So communication is key and you need to be thick-skinned because some advice is going to be harsh, but you need to be able to take it and then hopefully uh, move forward from that and grow. Yeah, I completely agree. Completely agree. So where do you want us to go online again? Tell us uh, the site again for Kumo Travel. Yeah, so it's kumotravel.com, uh, C-O-O-M-O, travel.com. Very good. All right, Tyler, thanks again. I'm glad we were able to connect again and have you on the show finally. Um, I appreciate you sharing your experiences, especially the, the challenges that you, uh, that you went through in getting Kumo to, to come to life. So thanks for being with us today. Yeah, and, and thank you for having me and, and uh, definitely appreciate you allowing me to speak to your audience. Absolutely. I appreciate it. This is Henry Lopez. You've been listening to another episode of The How of Business. My guest again today was Tyler Moyer, and his site again is Kumo Travel, C-O-O-M-O Travel. Uh, we release new episodes of The How of Business on Monday mornings, and you can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and at thehowofbusiness.com. Thank you for listening to The How of Business. For more information, links, and other resources, please visit thehowofbusiness.com.